0: Amen. Thank you, worship team. I am not by nature a cat person. However, I have two cats, and I've grown to love them. Uh, The key to this is grown, okay? You're going to see it, actually. That that really is the key. Uh, These pictures don't really give uh, full clarity. However, let me identify some things. The cat on the left is Mary, and Mary doesn't really like people. If you were to come over to my house, you would never see Mary. Uh, She tolerates a few people in my home. I'm not one of them. Uh, Born on the same day and the same litter is Pippin, the black cat who kind of blends in there. He loves everybody, but not as much as he loves food. Pippin loves food. He makes Garfield look tame. (laughs) Like, like this cat loves food. If there is food in the bowl, guess what? Pippin is going to eat it. And it doesn't matter if it's his bowl or Mary's bowl. Pippin is going to eat that. In fact, it, it is kind of funny how much he loves to be around food. Sometimes in the morning, someone will get up ahead of me and they'll feed the cat's And when I come downstairs, Pippin will come and get me and try to take me back in to where his bowl is. And I'll say, Pippin, there's still food in there. And then he gets up there and is like, I just wanted you to watch me. (laughs) My my people, my food, it's all good. Well, it's not going to surprise you about this truth. And the truth is, Pippin is about twice the size of Mary. Uh, I kid you not, he is one fat cat. It also shouldn't surprise you that Pippin is bigger than Mary because uh, Pippin gets fed more. Pippin is huge. And the reality is when you feed something more, it's going to grow. If we were to feed Mary more, she might look like this compared to Pippin. But this is more accurate. (laughs) Pippin is big. But I don't want us to miss the point of this. What we feed grows. What we feed grows. So what are we feeding? Are we feeding the flesh or are we feeding the spirit? Because that which we feed grows. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. We're we're going to walk through Romans together and I love the way that Romans begins, I appeal to you, therefore. That's Romans 12, verse 1 begins, I appeal to you, therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore, what should you ask? What's it there for? Well, uh, most commentators believe that this is one of those therefores uh, that is a hinge. It's a hinge on the book in Romans of Romans. And so, everything that has happened before impacts this term, therefore, so that we can move forward. Everything from chapter 1 all the way through the end of chapter 11 uh, helps us to understand why we're moving forward. So, we're going to quick outline uh, those chapters. We're just going to highlight them at at a high view. And so the book of Romans begins in uh, chapter 1 through verse 17 as the gospel, as the, res- as the revelation of righteousness, of the righteousness of God, remembering that righteousness is like a benevolence. It's given to somebody who can't earn it themselves, who doesn't have capacity or ability to have uh, that provision. So God's righteousness, he is giving something that we could not get on our own, and that comes by way of the gospel. So much so that uh, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile or the Greek. Then, uh, starting in verse 18 through chapter 3, verse 20, God's righteousness is revealed, his wrath and our unrighteousness. In other words, that we are, we are sadly without. We don't have the ability to be righteous. We don't have an abundance to give. We need God's provision. And we see that lived out. And I also just want to comment briefly on the term wrath or wrath of God. Uh, that's an important term for us to know. Uh, because sometimes we'll say this... Uh, what were you saved from? And people will say, hell, sin and death, and that's true. But, but ultimately, the theological term there is God's wrath. So what are we saved from? God's wrath. What is God's wrath? Eternal separation from God. It's something that we choose. I choose to not follow God. I am not born of God. I, I reject him. And so we would earn, we would receive God's wrath. Eternal separation from him. That happens in the form of a place called hell. It's an eternal destination for those who have not received Christ as their Savior, His wrath. Three, the saving righteousness of God is revealed in chapter 3, verse 21 through four twenty-five. The saving righteousness of God. In other words, sad news is uh, I can't do it myself. The good news is uh, God can do it. Hope as a result of righteousness by faith. We see in chapter 5 through chapter 8 verse 39 that we have this amazing hope that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a hope we have as a people to know that this righteousness has been extended by God's work and for those who call on his name, those he has called to himself who respond in faith to him uh, are saved. What hope we have. And then we continue on in this last section of the Romans road that we did some time ago, chapters 9 through 11. We see that God's righteousness to Israel, we see God's righteousness to Israel and to the Gentiles. In other words, God's goodness, that gift, that benevolence that he extends is not just for the nation of Israel, but it's also for Gentiles. Everyone can receive this goodness. And that takes us to the section that we're going to be going over through the, throughout this series. Well, primarily going through throughout this series. And that is God's righteousness lived out in his people. God's righteousness lived out in his people. So, because all of those things are true that I just mentioned, there is a hinge. And what is on the other side of that hinge is our actions. How we live out God's righteousness that has been imputed to us, that has been given to us. How do we live it out? Well, today we're going to go through the first eight verses of Romans chapter 12. And in going through these eight verses, we're going to identify three main points. Let me give them to you ahead of time. Because one, we're going to spend a lot of time on. And the other two, we're going to hit relatively quickly before we go to the ending today. Let me identify them. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the first thing that we see. The second thing, use your spiritual gifts for the edification of the body. And then the third, serve with those spiritual gifts with sincerity, diligence, and love. We're going to get into the love section of that more next week than this week. But uh, let's go ahead and start with the first point. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you don't have your Bibles, I, I do want to encourage you to go there. I always think it's good for us to look at the Scriptures, our Scriptures that we're taking and we're looking at through the week. I think that's, that's very important. If, if you have your Bibles, that's great. If you don't uh, and you want a Bible for whatever reason, you don't have one, we do have some in the back. They're yours. You can have it. You can take it home. It's, it's yours. Uh, those are in the back. You can go back and get one, or you can raise your hand and someone will come to you and give you one of those Bibles. Uh, Additionally, you can look on your device, though if you're going to do that, you might as well look at the screen because I have the verses for you today. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Paul is writing, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, Before we dig into this in a little more detail, we should identify something so that we're all on the same page. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning because almost all of the New Testament uh, really either implies or explicitly addresses uh, the fall, okay? So the creation account and the fall. And so it's important for us to remember this because it actually plays part in what we're going to deal with today. Remember, in the beginning, God created them male and female. He created them in His image, God created them male and female. It was in that place that Adam and Eve walked with God in this beautiful union and in this right relationship. If you want to think in terms of order, God is the king. And the king has identified roles for his creation because he's also the creator who has authority over his creation. In this place where God has authority because he is the creator, he has created with purpose, purposefully. And so everything within creation has a purpose. And humankind is no different. And in that place, God gives them a purpose to oversee, to be gardeners in the garden, to tend to what God has created as image bearers of God. But Adam and Eve get it out of order. They they break the order. They walk in rebellion and say, you know what, it's not enough for me to be with God. I want to be like God. And in doing so, they, they try to flip things. You know what, God, I know you're king, but I think maybe I I would be a better king. Hmm, I'll try that. Uh, It didn't work out well. There is a curse that follows, but more importantly, there is a broken image. The lie that was bought by Adam and Eve because of Satan is a lie that is still bought today. Sadly, even within the church. That we get things out of order sometimes. That, oh, okay, there, there is uh, God what you, what you want, but there is what I want. And what I want trumps what you want. And I might even try to change your words a little bit to fit into what I want. It happens often. And when it happens, it reflects what happened in the garden. A lie was told. Truth was not received, and an order went out of place. And so, God set aside a nation, a nation of Israel, a nation called Israel, those who wrestle with God. Uh, they're in relationship with God, and they're, they're, they're trying to work through things. And God, in Exodus and Leviticus, gives an order of how sacrifices might work, <clears throat> These sacrifices take place, many would say, well, uh, it's an, an acceptable substitute so that we can enter into God's presence, and that's not wrong, that is, that is actually true, but it is so much more than that. All sacrifices required faith or trust to be received. So I have to trust the Lord to give the sacrifice to the Lord that we would have a right relationship with him this sacrifice that would be given would have to be something that is pure. Why does it need to be pure? Because the giver is not. The giver is the one who had things out of order. The giver is is the one who, who, who put themselves above God, recognized that, is repenting, and is asking for something pure and holy and good to take the place of that person or that people. And that's exactly what happens Early on, throughout Exodus and Leviticus, as God institutes this sacrificial plan, that's important for us to recognize because ultimately that's what Jesus fulfills, right? Uh, Jesus fulfills that sacrificial system. He dies once and for all. So uh, let's move into this and ask the question what is a sacrifice before we ask the question what is a living sacrifice? So we've identified that this sacrifice is something that helps us to have this acceptable relationship with God. But even more than that, it is an act of faith. It is going to cost us something. And when it costs us something, we have to trust that God is still going to provide in our lives. Whatever that that is, that sacrifice, we're trusting that God is providing. If you think about those Old Testament sacrifices, that was going to cost perhaps their best animal. Well, that's the best animal. Wouldn't it be better to keep that one and give one of the lesser ones? or Give a couple of the lesser ones to God. You have a good one here. One that you could breed, one that you could multiply, one that you could keep those same characteristics of. But they said, no, I'm trusting that God is going to provide for me as I give my best to the Lord. And as I do, I I will have this uh, acceptable substitute, and I'll be able to approach God, and that's what Jesus does when he offers himself. For all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Scripture tells us that the Father looks at us differently after we've received Christ. There is a transformation, a complete transformation, as if from a caterpillar to a butterfly, this is a different animal. And what it is, is that the Father sees his Son Uh, He sees something different there. Uh, He sees somebody who has always walked in faith. He sees somebody who is pure and holy. He sees somebody who has the right order of things in mind. And that's how he sees you and that's how he sees me when we surrender to Christ. Therefore, what is a living sacrifice? Well, sacrifices in the past were a one-time thing but you had to keep giving these one-time sacrifices. However, because Jesus gave his sacrifice once and for all, we now enter into this continual offering, a consecration of ourselves daily to the Lord. Like, Lord, I am giving my life to you to be used because I want to be in that right order of things. I want to have an acceptable relationship with you. I am going to trust you for the provision in my life. And we are constantly offering ourselves to the Lord. And you might go, okay, in theory, I, I get what you're saying, but practically how, how does that work? Well, when when we say practically, we're going to first talk theologically because that impacts everything that we do. Uh, We recognize that it is, first of all, identified by God's mercy. Uh, Paul appeals to us by the mercies of God to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. So it's God's mercy that allows for that. Remember earlier I said what we deserve is God's wrath eternal separation. That's what we deserve, but that's not what we got. God gave mercy. He didn't give us what we deserved. That's mercy. We're going to talk about grace in a little bit, but he didn't give us what we deserved. He did give us mercy. You deserve eternal separation. You got things out of order. You can't offer yourself as a sacrifice. Only Jesus can. But I'm going to extend mercy I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And then there is a response from us. Now, Paul is assuming that the the believers, that there are believers that are hearing him. So, this is to the church of Rome. And and he has something to say about it. He he says, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's something that needs to occur there, that that our our mind needs to be renewed, that there is this spiritual uh, work that happens in our mind that the the scriptures don't fully communicate. We only know that it is true, that there is something about our mind uh, that has a spiritual connection that is true and real. So I want to go back to the original illustration. What are we feeding? Well, If we're feeding the flesh, we're going to walk in the flesh. If in our mind, we're feeding the spirit, then we'll walk in the spirit. Our spirit will grow. So what are we doing? As we get ready to go into this next section, I'm going to pause and pray. This next section is going to require spiritual eyes. It's also, I'm sad to say, become politicized in some ways that I, I need you to hear my words and to not hear everything, all the other garbage that we, that we bring in with it. So we're going to pause and pray. I'm also going to identify this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he does. When you see evidence of uh, something being stolen, when you see evidence of death, when you see destruction, you know that Satan is being consistent with his job description. That's what the thief does. The demonic world acts in this way. And I want to tell you that in perhaps heightened ways in these days, uh, we're under attack. There is spiritual warfare. So I'm going to pause and pray. Before we get into this next section, and I, I just want to encourage you, just even as you hear my prayers, if your mind starts to float away, to bring it back to say, Lord, I am present. I hear you. I, I want to hear you today. I want to receive what you have for me. If you would pray like that as I pray, I'd appreciate it. Jesus, we, we love you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do a work today that only you can do that we are going to address some things that maybe uh, spark or elicit emotional responses for a variety of reasons. I also know that you put things in order on purpose. Help us to see your holy order and respond in faith to it. So, we reject that liar. That demon who wants to steal, kill, and destroy That one who has been against you from the beginning, that one that only wants wrath for us, that wants separation, because that is his punishment. Lord, we reject that. We would receive your truth today. We would ask for that today. Holy Spirit, would you do a work that is spiritual within us today, that we would hear and receive in faith that which we can only hear and receive in faith that the intellectual discussion still stops short every time if it is not spiritual. So Lord, we would ask that you would do a work right now. That the liar would be called out today. That death would be no longer for the church. That destruction couldn't happen in the church because, Lord, we're under your umbrella. We are in your kingdom. And that which Satan has, uh, has attempted on the church, Lord, you can even use that for good. So I would pray right now that you would do your work. In each of us, and all of us, individually and corporately, for your good glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do not be conformed to this world. Uh, by the way, First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 really outlines what that means very well. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's satisfaction, it's significance, it's security apart from God. Outlines it really well. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And we're going to fix on that term, transformed together. Over the course of the last 10 to 12 years, The issue of transgenderism has come up a lot. And I have almost exclusively addressed it from the gender part. So this compound word, I've used the second part of it to address it. And I think accurately that God created us in his image, male and female. In fact, so the the creator, the one who can create with purpose, the one who knows us intimately and loves us dearly, he created us purposefully and he created us with a gender, male and female. And I have basically communicated that every time this discussion has come up. And it's not wrong but it's also incomplete. It's one side of the discussion. Let me personalize it and give us perhaps some tools to address this in, in some real ways and in some ways that I think uh, uh, is, uh, is honest and is spiritual and is biblical. So we've been dealing with gender, but let's deal with the trans piece. Let's talk about the trans Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, trans means to go across or beyond. By implication, it means to change. It's to change. And when we hear somebody talk about transgenderism, let me suggest that we need to lean in a little bit to say, you know what, what you're sensing right now, at least an aspect of it, might be good. When someone says, there's something within me that I am struggling with, there's something within me that isn't reflecting the way that is, it's supposed to be, maybe we need to lean into it just a little bit and say this. You're right. There is a fall. And at that fall, the image of God was shattered. And there's something going on within you right now that God wants to deal with that, that perhaps could be holy. Holy. Here's the issue. Here's the devil. He sees that and he starts speaking lies. He starts trying to steal. He starts trying to destroy. And he says, No, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something wrong. You're right. And it's your gender. What is wrong is your gender. Oh, you mean that holy thing that God created on purpose? No, devil, that is not true. That is not where we go. There is something wrong, but it is not gender. The Scripture says it's formation. It's transformation is the issue. The old is gone, the new has come, there is a transformation as a caterpillar is transformed into this butterfly, so the person who receives Christ is transformed into the image of Christ in a way that they didn't exist before. There is a new formation that has occurred. It's important for us to lean into that reality because transformation is necessary for the acceptance of of our living sacrifice. If I want to give myself as a living sacrifice to God, then a transformation has to occur. There is something going on within me that isn't right, it isn't good, and it's called sin. Because we're broken and we've gotten things out of order. And Satan is trying to feed that flesh. Oh, if you would just keep scrolling on TikTok. Oh, if you would just keep looking At this influencer. Just keep it up. And he's feeding that flesh. And he's feeding that flesh. And that flesh grows. And grows. And the spirit is starving. There's a transformation that needs to occur. That God is calling us to. Because what we'll find out ultimately. Is that gender didn't fix what is going on internally. The creator of the universe knows exactly what he created us for. With purpose, and for purpose, and on purpose. And what's going to fix that is a transformation. Now, I'm giving you a big principle that we can use in other areas because perhaps, for many of us in this room, transgender doesn't directly affect us. But this principle does. How is that? Because often, we say things like this. I'm just not, I'm just not happy. Something going on in me is stirring. It just makes me so mad. I don't know what it is. I'm not happy. What if I, if I had a different job? That's probably it. Those people at work, doggone it, they just aggravate me. Mm, Maybe it's that nagging spouse. Maybe it's that overbearing spouse. Man, if I just had a different spouse, I'd all be fixed. Maybe it's a neighbor. If I just had a different neighbor, a neighbor's driving me nuts. That would fix everything. You see the principle? There's, there's a change that needs to occur, but we try to put something in there. We, we try to add to that compound word. Mm, yeah, trans job, trans relationship. Trans, like we're, we're trying to fix it. But God says, no, no, still in those places, it's about formation. Yep, maybe you need a new job. Yep, maybe uh, you need to address that relationship but it's really about the formation in you that Jesus wants to do a work that that makes you go from this caterpillar to this butterfly, that this transformation, that the old is gone, the new has come. And it's going to require a transformation. So what are we feeding? Are we feeding the flesh? That could come in the form of In in the form of our devices, it it can come in the form of what we just ruminate on. I'm just thinking of if our mind has some sort of spiritual connection that we can't fully understand, then we have to realize that what we do with our mind matters and how we feed our mind matters. Are we feeding it things of the flesh or are we feeding it things of the spirit? Because it matters. And if we want that transformation, there is a progressive work of God, the sanctification in real time that God wants to do, and it's going to require us joining Him in His work to feed our minds. And then we're to test it. Did, did you catch that in the passage? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect, that that has this idea that the term acceptable is like, uh, oh, it gives me great joy. It's almost an emotional connection. It's not just a mental understanding, it's a full person experience. And so, what are we saying? We're saying, prove it. To test something is to prove that it's real. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to surrender my will to your will. I'm going to get things in right order. In faith, I'm coming to you as a living sacrifice and I'm going to do things the way that you called me to and I'm going to watch and see what you do. I'm going to let you prove this in me. And it gets strengthened and formed and it's spiritual and powerful and good. And it's different than the way you were when you fed the flesh it is a new creation the old has gone the new has come when we feed the spirit all right offer your bodies as a living sacrifice i want to i want to encourage you as i've done a few times here to do a daily consecration where you, you can use your own words and you can use your, uh, your, your own form of it. I just walk through my mind, my eyes, my nose, my ears, uh, my mouth, my hands, my feet, uh, and I consecrate that. And at the end, I say, Lord, that I would be, I consecrate myself as a living sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing. And I want to tell you that I don't always live that out. And when I don't, it involves repentance, turning from that, where I've gone out of bounds, where I've gotten things out of order and turned back to Christ. One of the ways that we can uh, live for the Lord, one of the ways that we can respond in faith to him uh, is to use uh, our spiritual gifts for the edification of the body. Because because of the importance especially of the first part, I just want to highlight this quickly, okay? So hang in there with me as we walk through this. In verses, in the following verses, rather, uh, three through five, uh, it outlines a few things, and it helps us to understand why we need to edify the body. Uh, And this is what it tells us. One, grace has been given to us. Paul identifies that this grace has been given. If mercy is that I'm not getting what I do deserve, so there is a judgment that I'm not getting, grace is getting what I don't deserve. There is something, I'm receiving Christ. I didn't earn Jesus. I'm walking in faith, and there is a spiritual birth that has occurred because of God's work, His call, and our response. We exist in unity, and not independently. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, throughout this passage and the passage to follow, uh, we recognize really quickly the idea. The idea is this. We can't be severed from the body. If you were to take a finger and sever it, I don't encourage that. But if you were, if you did, you would see that there is no life in that finger. (laughs) That finger is not doing anything. It is not helpful. And maybe that finger goes, wow, look at the freedom I have now. Isn't this great? Uh, I don't have to worry about the rest of the hand. The hand gets in the way all the time, keeps bumping me, aggravates me. I hate that. Nope. Uh, something different, right? Like, it is good for nothing. We're not in a, I hear people say this all the time. Oh, I experience God when I go out in the woods, when I go fishing, when I go hunting. When I Praise God, I'm glad, and you should. I hear people say, when I read the scriptures, that's when I do. It. So that is, my, that is my church. I want to tell you, it is not it is a great way to connect with God. It's wonderful. But we're a body. We belong to one another. In fact, the the body needs you. Uh, One of the ways that we help the body to grow is to respond in faith by serving one another and caring for one another. Last week, you heard me talk about uh, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, how it's growing. And one of the phrases we used was, change a diaper, change the world, right? Like, because we're a part of the body, and as we serve as uh, the body, we we grow, and it's needed. How do we exercise them in proportion to our faith? Uh, l- l- let me communicate what we mean by that. <clears throat> when when I attempted to learn Hebrew, and uh, go in depth with with the Hebrew culture, I was working with a rabbi, and this rabbi. Uh, uh, he was a very clever guy, and our homeschool co-op said, Hey, Kenny, would you teach Hebrew? And I'm like, I can't teach Hebrew. I can barely speak English. Uh, what do you mean? And this rabbi, he said to me, and I, I've always appreciated the principal here. He said, Hey, if, if you know Aleph, Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you know Aleph, teach Aleph. You, you don't have to teach all of it. Just teach what you know uh, in proportion to your faith. What is it that you know? What is it that is true? Then do that. And that's the point here. We're going to keep going. In the following verses, we want to identify that we need to serve uh, with a genuine, sincere, and and diligence in love. In other words... Uh, as we see the different gifts that come out in this passage, what we're really saying is that uh, we're going to work within the gifts that God has given us. We're not going to pretend to be something that we're not. If you are a teacher, you, you, should, you should be good at teaching the Bible. That, that should be. Do it with genuineness. Don't pretend that you're something that you're not. Okay, well, uh, maybe I'm really good at mercy. I'll fake it. No, don't, don't, don't fake it. Surrender to Christ, but don't like, exercise your gift in, in uh, genuine, authentic love. We're going to um, fast forward to the end here. Here is a takeaway that I, I want to ask of you. I want to encourage you at mealtime today. It can be in your home. It could be that you go out with somebody. It could be at lunch or it could be at dinner, uh, over a snack, sometime over mealtime. I want to encourage you to go through these with somebody else. Three questions, pretty easy questions, uh, but I want to encourage you to go with them. If you have your phone out, I'd encourage you to go ahead and take a picture of it. Simple questions. What is Romans 12, 1 through 8 about? Discuss it. You might have to reread it. That's okay, reread it. Uh, overall, what stood out to me from Romans 12, 1 through 8? Uh, what is that one thing? Maybe you're going, hey, it's that transformation piece that I'm that I'm reminded of. Cool. Talk about it, engage in the word. What am I willing to be held accountable to regarding Romans 12, 1 through 8? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'll let you answer it though. What are you willing to? The worship team is going to come out as we transition into a time of communion. Speaking of what we feed grows, we enter into communion. It's a spiritual practice that Jesus instituted uh, when he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. The body that was broken and the blood that was shed. We are reminded... uh, to to, uh, be obedient, to get things in the right order. And one of the ways we do that is examining our hearts. Okay, is there any sin? If there is, if I've walked in fear, in unfaith, if I've gotten things out of order, then I'm repenting of that and I'm turning to God. This is a time to address that. At friendship, you only need to be a believer of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go through the formality of Membership at Friendship Church, but we do ask that you're a follower of Jesus, that you've taken time to examine yourself, and then we ask you to go to the carpeted areas, go to your, uh, go to the station nearest you, and then return in the aisle uh, closest to you, or in the outer aisle to your seat rather, and then wait, and we'll all participate together. Just Join me as we pray. Lord, we love you and we need you. We thank you. Lord, and we praise you. We ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. We thank you for your word, that it's true and it's good, that it's right, that it helps us to get things back in the right order that you have called us to. We've gotten things out of order at times. Lord, forgive us. Help us for the things that we've done and those things that we've left undone, oh Lord, that we would be obedient to you, that we would follow and surrender ourselves to you and your will, your perfect and good will. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that has been offered, that we then can walk in that sacrifice daily as a living sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for your work that we are, we are not just reformed, but we are transformed. And, Lord, we see that what we feed grows Help us, Lord, to follow you even today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.